It's time for This Week in the Big East, a comprehensive look at the teams, coaches, players, and the story tradition of the Big East Conference. Here are your hosts, longtime conference play-by-play announcer John Rook and Big East author and sports writer Kevin McNamara. Welcome to This Week in the Big East, our weekly look at the teams, coaches, players, and stories from the schools in the Big East Conference. Once again, John Rook with Providence Journal beat writer, Basketball Times contributor, and author Kevin McNamara. And thought we might get a regular season champ this week, but back came the Villanova Wildcats after they were knocked down. Last Saturday, Providence put on a defensive show and shutting down the Cats in Philly. And, and just when it appeared Nova was about to cede the crown to Seton Hall, Jay Wright's team stunned the Pirates on senior night, no less, in Newark on Wednesday. Kev, the regular season crown still has three teams poised to grab at least a piece of it. It's been that time, uh, type of a season, John, no question. Uh, Seton Hall, Creighton, and Villanova can all end up tied, which is really – could you draw up any any better way? Try know? champions, right? Try champions all at uh, with 13 wins. 13 wins in this league. We did call that, by the way, at the we, start of the we year. Did. We thought 13 would win it. Yeah, we knew it wasn't going to be one of those 15-16 win right. Villanova no. romps no. that we've seen recently. No. And, uh, you know, af- actually, after I left Villanova on last Saturday, after a loss to Providence, you would think that they were injured a little bit. Yeah. Uh, what a bounce back win. Huge. Uh, at the Prue. Absolutely huge. We, we certainly know that play at this time of year is all about March Madness, and we will jump into that a little bit later in the show, of course. But the play down the stretch by several of the contending teams, including the Great story of the resurrection of Providence has been entertaining, to say the least. Tournament-worthy, perhaps, to say the most. You know, Providence has been the hottest team in the country, uh, really, in the last five weeks. Uh, seven out of nine wins, five of those wins against top 25 teams. And, you know, on the fringes of the bubble, to in the tournament, in my eyes, Providence will be in the NCAA tournament. I, I think there'll be seven Big East teams that can make the NCAAs. And 70%, John, that, that ties a record. Right. Uh, What's the Big East set? the Big East set a few years ago. And uh, they're all pretty dangerous, too. The weekly metric update at midweek in the net ranking system, the 10 Big East teams were ranked in the top 81 out of 353 Division One programs, five teams in the top 26. For two months now, the Big East has been the top-rated conference in the country in both the RPI and the net. All right. Let's hit this week's Big East headlines. Some fantastic games played this week. Seton Hall, Villanova, and Newark as the Pirates tried to clinch at least a share of the regular season title, only to be denied by Villanova Wednesday night, 79-77. Superb spacing throughout the game really negated much of the Hall's size in that one. Just enough Wildcat D combined with some game-long sharpshooting to keep the Cats in the mix for their own piece of the rock again. Villanova has won six of their last seven. Creighton remains right in the middle of both Seton Hall and Villanova after a Wednesday night 91-76 win at home against Georgetown, bouncing back from a big loss at St. John's last weekend. The Jays can win at least a piece of their first Big East title by beating Seton Hall in Omaha Saturday afternoon. The Blue Jays have also won six of their last seven. Providence remains one of the hottest teams and hottest stories in the conference and the country, as Kevin said, with the midseason turnaround by Ed Cooley's team. The Friars have won five straight and seven of nine, holding off Xavier Wednesday night 80-74. to Five times the Musketeers pulled within one point in the second half, only to be rebuffed by the Friar effort. Three teams remain in the mix for spots five, six, and seven in the standings. Butler has the edge. 
going into the weekend after beating St. John's at Hinkle Wednesday. They're at 9-8, and eight, but the Bulldogs finish up at Xavier Saturday. Well, Marquette goes to St. John's for an early garden party. Those two games will decide which of the three must play Wednesday night next week. So we think we know, Kevin, and then we don't know. It's kind of like the entire season has been so far. John, those these ultimate, uh, all these tie possibilities and tie break. Uh, that's your department. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna let you decipher that. I just know that these teams are almost indecipherable. And maybe the one game that jumps out the most, I think Creighton can be a two or a three seed in the NCAA tournament. They just lost by twenty to the ninth place team in the league, St. John's. So just nuts. It's no insane, one, really. No one wants to see St. John's at the Garden, uh, and I. Upside down. The league is truly upside down. Well, as always, if you have questions about your team or the others that you follow, you can send those questions to us. Hit us up on Twitter with a hashtag TwitB. Thanks to our Westwood One affiliate stations for tuning in, as always, to check us out. Thanks for catching us on SiriusXM. If you're doing the podcast, well, yeah, we're there too. Thanks for listening and downloading on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, all of our partners this season, and make sure you leave us a review. We thank you for that. You can also listen online, BigEast.com and WestwoodOneSports.com. This week, we will hear from one of the national noted pundits and reporters covering College Hoop, get his thoughts on all of the bubble, bubble, toil, and trouble. Plus, there are major stories on the horizon for all of college sports to deal with. We're going to check in with the Big East Commissioner, Val Ackerman, on those. But leading off, if you really want to know how a coach can turn his team around, stick around. Providence's Ed Cooley will tell us Next, this week in the Big East. Coming up this week in the Big East Spotlight. The Providence College experience, rooted in academic excellence, shared values, and an uncommon sense of community is both unique and exceptional. A premier Catholic liberal arts college, PC has 3,900 undergraduate students, a dynamic, engaged community, and a great location just minutes from downtown Providence. With pride in its heritage, Providence College looks forward to a bright future. Learn more at Providence.edu. Big East Spotlight. Steps back, spins, fires, woo! Pipkins! And Cooley beats Jay Wright, 58-54 the final. Providence has beaten five ranked teams in a row. Maybe it has been a modern-day version of Lazarus rising from the dead, and maybe it's simply been a talented basketball team finally learning how to put it all together. Maybe it's just been college basketball in 2020. Whatever it has been for Providence this season, it has been a remarkable turnaround, one which has caught the nation's attention with its swiftness and its thoroughness. From a 6-6 six and six record in non-league play to the Friars posting five consecutive wins over ranked teams in February, that's just the fifth time in college basketball history for a team to do that, which is as astounding as it is impressive. PC head coach Ed Cooley joins us this week in the Big East. Ed, I'm going to start with what I think is a pretty obvious question here, but what got you guys going and how did you turn your fortunes around? I think our guys have been very desperate and, you know, uh, played play with some urgency. Um, you know, our seniors in particular with Diallo and Pipkins and uh, young uh, Malik White have all, have all been outstanding in our preparation and really trying to do something, uh, you know, to uh, offset, you know, our, our non-conference schedule. Ed, I know you've spoken about a low. A low is probably a tough night against Florida uh, in Brooklyn. And I think you, you're, you had said at the time that 
you were just surprised, if not shocked, at how poorly you were playing, with the flip side being you knew that, that the team could be much better. Was there anything that sparked the turnaround? Was it the Texas game? Was it the two close uh, road games that got you going in the Big East? Anything in particular? Well, by, you know, as, as, as you and I talked about, you know, that team that went to DePaul and played in a scrimmage, uh, I saw a really feisty, uh, tough-nosed, grinded-out type of team. And it wasn't pretty offensively, but I saw some toughness, some camaraderie and chemistry. And that's why I was so surprised at some of the games early of how we were playing. So I think guys had to get comfortable in roles. You know, in particular, Luan had to learn how we played here at Providence uh, and what's important to us. And, and defense and rebounding is always a key to us. And then, you know, our offense started to pick up. And, uh, you know, especially especially playing at home, uh, we've been pretty good offensively. But our defense is really what has changed the whole, I thought, changed our whole season. No question. I, I think you meant to say the, your, your uh, Purdue scrimmage back in October, yes. Purdue. We're in the He's got DePaul now. on the brain. He's getting ready for DePaul. I, under, yeah, I understand. Yeah, I yeah, Purdue, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm dialed in. <laughs> that's, that's okay. And the other thing, Ed, that uh, once you got into the league and the depth and power of the league with all these quad one and quad two game opportunities, uh, that had to be a really easy sell to your players that, listen, if you do well in the Big East, uh, you'll be fine. And, and Providence, if they can close out the season with one more win, will have 12 Big East wins. That, that would be a program record. Yeah, and, and that's the one thing we kept emphasizing. We, we had a chance to right or wrong. You know, we had a chance to, you know, uh, get the ship straight by, you know, and I think that's the power of the Big East. I think that's the depth of the Big East. And I always go back to some six years ago, I think it was when, you know, we relaunched or seven years ago where there were so many naysayers because we lost to Connecticut, a Pittsburgh, a Syracuse, a Notre Dame, you know, how good will the league be, blah, 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 blah. And, uh, you know, it just keeps getting better and better every year. So that allows us teams that are in the league, if we struggled in the non-conference, to really pick up some things if we can get hot in, in the Big East season. Providence is Ed Cooley joining us this week in the Big East. Coach, before the season started, uh, your fellow coaches picked you guys for fourth. It looks like where you're about going to be, and I think largely based on the fact that you had some experience coming back. It took those seniors a little while to kickstart. You just mentioned to Kevin that you know it, it took a couple of maybe a little time how to learn how to play within your system. But you've also had a couple of guys that you've been able to rely upon for really their entire careers here. Alpha Diallo being one, Malik White, Khalid, uh, Young coming off the bench in reserve roles for others. But having everybody come together at this one time, that's still a little unusual, isn't it? Well, I give our staff a lot of credit between the, you know, the film sessions, the one-on-one sessions, you know, the practices, the preparation. Um, I give our staff a lot of credit with that because it's easy when you're losing to be mad and to be down. You know, keeping the guys positive, keeping them energetic in our workouts, shortening up our practices, trying to keep them fresh emotionally and physically. Um, you know, I, I really do. I give our, our staff and our support staff a lot of credit on that. You know, I think I saw a um, TV interview with you, Ed, recently when you were talking about the Big East tournament and going down on the train and, and you know, walking into the right. building and the excitement and whatnot. Uh, it, I could tell it wasn't it wasn't an Ed Cooley act. You really do enjoy playing at the Garden and that week in the Big East tournament. I'm curious, did you ever go before you were an assistant at Boston College, or was that your first experience at the Big East tournament? That was my first experience at the Big East tournament. You know, um, and, and I and I still remember that like it was yesterday. 
uh, when we were at BC and we're walking in the building, and I just was in awe of being in there. You know, being a basketball junkie and you know just always cheering for the Big East. I was raised on the Big East, you know, and um, just just the Big East term alone. When you when you hear "Welcome to Madison Square Garden" and you see all the teams, all the coaches, uh, it's just just it's just something that you can't explain. You have to feel. And now coaching in that as a, in the head coaching role, you know, you, you, you're, you're really living a, a, a dream because it's something that I've always, always dreamed about. Do, do you think that what you just said you inject into your players because it does seem like the Friars play well at the Garden? Well, we try to tell them, you know, it's not going to be too many opportunities we're going to have to play on that floor and to do something special where all the eyes in the country are watching. Mm-hmm. You know, the Big East tournament is uh, is – is one of the most watched conferences in the country. And, um, you know, when people watch that, you know, players want to play well on that stage. You know, there's been a lot of opportunities and a lot of money made on that stage with respect to players, whether they're playing in the NBA or overseas. So, next weekend, spotlight shines squarely on the Garden again. If not Providence, who? Who can survive the week? Well, I think you got to look at, you know, you got to look at matchups. you got to see what matchups come up, obviously. Seton Hall, Creighton, and Villanova are going to be talked about. But I think I think Xavier has a great opportunity. Uh, you know, once they get healthy, they're very physical. They can rebound with anybody in the country. If they're making shots, they're a tough out. Can't fall asleep on St. John's. You know, the way they press, turn you over. They're relentless in their pressure. Um, I, think it's, uh, I think it's wide open. So I don't know. Uh, in all honesty, all I care about is Providence, yeah. college, Well, it's it's funny you brought up St. John's. I was saying to John uh, earlier in the show, uh, what other league in the country would, I'd say, half the teams be totally afraid of the ninth place team, the St. John's Red Storm? No one wants to see them in the garden. No, and you know, know, Mike has done a phenomenal job. I mean, again, even the games that they lost, look at the margin of it. Um, They just put a lot of pressure on you the way they play. It's hard to run clean offense against them. Very hard. It's uh, conference uh, award time, Ed, and you're probably scratching down some picks. How do you decide the player of the year in this league? There's, you know, everyone instantly goes to uh, Marcus and Miles, but the, you know, the two guys at Creighton have had outstanding years as well. I mean, uh, I wouldn't want to be voting. you got a tough chore. Yeah, I agree. Tyshawn is right in the conversation. Zigorowski's had a great, great year. Um, they're definitely in there, as is Powell and, and Howard. But, you know, if, if, if I was picking today, I, I think Bay I think Bay has been a, a silent assassin in the league. But if I was picking today, my vote would probably be uh, Powell. You know, um, you know, his team's in first place. Um, you know, uh, he's, he's, been a, he's been a staple in the league for a long time. Uh, he's a really good person. I had an opportunity to coach him in, in Peru. Um, that would be my vote if you ask me that today. Well, that's Providence head coach Ed Cooley. Next up, who's hot and who might stay hot heading into the postseason? That's coming up next, this week in the Big East. Coming up, who's hot this week in the Big East. Every day, the NCAA is working across campuses to keep college athletes safe by committing research and resources to their physical and mental health. Physical and mental health includes, but is not limited to, education, research initiatives and new policies on concussion, promoting best practices around cardiac health, sexual violence prevention and education, mental health resources and training, alcohol and other drug abuse prevention, guidance on nutrition, sleep and performance, creating safety guidelines for all NCAA sports, support of the American development model to prevent overuse injuries. And that's just what we could fit within 30 seconds. Visit NCAA.org slash well-being to learn more. 
Who's hot? Howard up the floor, out to Bailey in the left corner. Bailey, drive and kick, out to Howard, a wing three-pointer. That's good. From the left side, Howard back on the floor and back in the scorebook. He's got 15. Marquette down seven. 4.05 left to play as Gillespie puts it on his hip and directs some traffic just inside half court. Crossover dribble, throw to the far side. Three-pointer up and good for Justin Moore. The freshman's got 19 and another big shot. A big ball game for Moore and great patience that time from Villanova to find the shooter. Diallo baseline, Pipkins quick release. Mm. And a pip-pip. Hooray. We go. <laughs> Pipkins off the ball and they let Duke start it. Malik White. And how big of a win would this be for Anguli? Powell left to right with it for Seton Hall. Powell trying to step back, give it up to Roden, right back to Powell. Powell lines up the three, and he cans it. Miles Powell knocks it down from distance, forcing Steve Wojciechowski up from his chair. A timeout for Marquette, and Seton Hall leads it 17-8. Howard starts left, darts to his right. Floater just inside the free throw line is good. Marcus Howard with 17. Lead is back down to 9, 44-35. Howard's unbelievable. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. John Rook with Kevin McNamara. The player of the week this week was Marcus Howard of Marquette. Stop me if you've heard this before. A pair of 30-point games uh, for the Golden Eagles this week. The freshman of the week, Julian Champagny from St. John's. We haven't had a chance to talk about him, but he's really come on strong of late for the Red Storm. He averaged 11.5 points, 5.5 rebounds in a 1-1 one one week for the Red Storm. Any thoughts? Champagne, he, he, don't leave him open. He can knock in right. some shots. Knock it down. Just, just ask uh, Creighton, he, he, you know, one of the you know, guys who poured in 14 threes in that ballgame. The honor roll this week, again, familiar names. Kamara Baldwin of Butler, Luan Pipkins for a second consecutive week. He's been averaging well over 20 points in his last five games as the Friars have ripped through the league of late. Greg Williams, Jr., St. John's, also finds himself on the honor roll this week. Had a career-high 21 in the big 20-point win against Creighton. Miles Powell of Seton Hall finds himself on the honor roll, as did Najee Marshall of Xavier. Najee literally almost wheeled his team to win at Providence on Wednesday night. John, what an honor roll there. It's basically the all, you know, first team all league. We got Marcus Howard at the top, Kamar Baldwin, Miles Powell, Najee Marshall. Uh, th- those are all American type guys. It's been that type of a week. This is kind of where I wanted to ask you because as the week going into the Big East tournament, what are your thoughts on player of the year? and even potential coach of the year. And it's got to be an unbelievably tough decision for the league coaches to select a first-team all-league team this year. Yeah, I'm, I'll get the easy one out of the way. I, I would pick Greg McDermott as the coach of the year. They would pick seventh coming in. I think we're all surprised. Not that uh, Creighton is good, but that they're this good, you know, top 15, top 10 good. Any love for Ed Cooley in that one? I think he probably will get some votes. Uh, I'll be a little surprised if he wins, uh, but uh, it's close. It's close. And then all league, whew, uh, like we just said, it's a very deep league. Uh, right at the very top with Miles Powell and Marcus Howard. Uh, flip a coin on player of the year there. I, I think Powell will get more run because his team is better and, and they the Pirates could win the Big East. Uh, these votes are usually taken, uh, for the fans, by the way, pretty much in the few days just before the Saturday, uh, the final Saturday regular season game. So, uh, the coaches could be voting not knowing who's going to win the league. That's exactly right. It's that tight. That's exactly so I, I think what the Big East should do, uh, but it does come down to the 10 coaches who vote, is split a, a co-player of the year with Miles Powell and Marcus Howard. I, I just think Marcus Howard, the, the way he's been able to score the ball and carry his team to a likely NCAA tournament, 
birth deserves a lot of love. Get off the fence, Kev. Get off the fence. Pick one. I would go with Marcus Howard. Okay. Okay. But I agree with you. I think they're going to split it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then uh, I like uh, Tyshawn Alexander. I like Sadiq Bey. I like Najee Marshall. So those would be my five. The Big East frequently yeah. separates the player of the year from the first team. The So if two guys are separated, I like Kamar Baldwin and Colin Gillespie. Wow. Pretty okay. good team. That's an unbelievable team. In fact, that's almost the team I think the Big East had at the Pan Am Games, it seems like a little bit, right? <laughs> that's right. Yeah? All right. So overall, what we do know then is, again, the coaches, as you just said, they kind of vote on this uh, in the lead-up to Saturday's games. And so Saturday's games could end up having a huge impact, will have a huge impact on the final standings. In fact, if things break right, you could have three teams tied for first, as we talked about, with Seton Hall, Creighton, and Villanova. If that scenario happens, Kevin, based on what we've looked at right now before Saturday's games – Creighton would be the one seed in the tournament next week. Yeah, what we would know, and John, I'm going to kick it right back to you. If you can just sure. list what we think we know about the Big East tournament, because I know fans are you know planning their travel and whatnot. Well, if this scenario happens on Saturday, uh, Villanova would have to win at Georgetown. Uh, Creighton would have to win at home against Seton Hall. Uh, and if these two games play out that way, then you'd have Creighton, Seton Hall, and Villanova all at 13-5. and five. In that scenario... Creighton would be the one, Villanova would be the two, and Seton Hall would be the three seed. Providence is pretty much locked into the four. The five seed is going to be decided between Butler and Marquette. And then the six, seven seed, which is most important because the six seed doesn't have to play Wednesday. The seven seed has to play Wednesday. That's going to come down to either Xavier or Marquette. And we've been predicting this for weeks now, that that, that opening night uh, – will feature an NCAA tournament-level team. Uh, Xavier and Marquette, I think both teams are going to get in, uh, and they're going to have a tough game. They'll, they'll play DePaul. Uh, who, that 7-10 game uh, is a really tricky game for, that, for one of those teams. But as we said, there's still a lot of basketball to be played, five big games on Saturday. They will all have a hand in determining the seeding. So the best we can tell you is, is stay tuned. We're a week away from postseason play, as we said. There's big news looming on the horizon for college basketball in several major ways. Student-athletes retaining name, image, and likeness rights, potentially gaining also a free pass for a first-time transfer. Well, Big East Commissioner Val Ackerman is at the epicenter of this discussion, and she joins us next, this week in the Big East. Coming up next, the Big East Focus. What does it take to change your career, to make a better life for you? and your family, to get to the next level in your career, or to go from a job to a career. It takes inspiration. It requires a university with a national reputation and more than 130 years of preparing students to succeed. Marquette University. Be inspired with graduate programs that help you find a rewarding career and a greater purpose. Our courses are on campus and online. Flexible formats are designed for busy people. You'll be inspired by the experience, and in doing so, you'll be an inspiration to others. We know achieving your goals, changing direction, and finding a deeper purpose are hard work. At Marquette, you'll learn from experienced, caring faculty and leave prepared to get to your next level, a graduate who will not only stand apart, but be sought after. Get started at marquette.edu slash grad. Be inspired. Marquette University. Be the difference. Big East Focus. Powell tries a three out front. Powell cans it. Miles Powell now with 23. Seton Hall's lead continues to balloon at 74 50. 
Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. 40 years of Big East basketball history have been remembered and celebrated throughout this current season, and rightfully so. It's been an amazing run and story within intercollegiate athletics. This season doesn't appear to have paled by comparison either, especially when it comes to overall league strength. Val Ackerman has steered the ship, once captained by Dave Gavin and Mike Trangisi for seven seasons now as commissioner, with the conference appearing to sail along, well, rather smoothly. But some choppy waters might lie ahead. The commissioner joins us this week at the Big East. Val, let's start with the league's play overall this season. In your estimation, you probably thought your teams would be good. What has actually surprised you? about play this year, if anything. First, great to be with you both. Um, You know, you may remember last year we noted that we were pretty young because we had lost so many players the year before um, to the NBA um, or the graduation. And so last year we we sort of knew it would be maybe what some would call a down year just in terms of NCAA tournament births and so on. But this year we've got those players back. And so we we had hoped for um, a more competitive season, um, better performance nationally, and I think that's very much coming, coming to be. Um, with, I think every school has been ranked at one point or received votes in the national rankings. We've got a very strong um, NCAA evalu- evaluation tool, NET ranking, which is really important for the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee, something that they'll uh, rely on heavily as they look at at-large tournament bursts. We've had really from the get-go just hard-fought games. Um, you know, the, the games on Saturday, of course, will be determinative about who who gets seated where. It's sort of um, kind of you know perfect uh, ending that it goes down to the wire here because of the kind of season it's been. So it's been very exciting. And then topping it all off, we've got two players in Miles Powell and Marcus Howard, who are um, National Player of the Year candidates. Right. So it, it's been uh, really exciting to see and, um, you know, should make for a great tournament next week. And hopefully it'll mean uh, many bids and uh, deep runs come come March Madness. No, Val, it's, it's really been, I, I think, your best season uh, since the league reorganized just because of the depth. And it's funny, uh, as you know, you know we, we see Providence an awful lot. And Ed Cooley has been outspoken about that depth and strength of the league and the fact that a good game and a good opportunity game pretty much is on top the entire season. Can you just speak to that? And maybe that's why, you know, I have you with seven teams getting into the tournament, seven out of ten, which you've done once before. But, you know, 70 percent of your league is is really that's that's very impressive. Yeah, that that would be um, great. And and something, honestly, Kevin, we're hoping for. I, I mean, we think we've got seven really um, strong contenders for tournament bursts, and then uh, maybe another, um, depending on how things fall, particularly at our tournament next week. But I, I think where, where we've, our schools have helped themselves is non-conference scheduling and performance. Um, we finished, I think, 80% winning percentage, non-conference collective record. We won over 100 games. Um, you know, we've got the two challenges now with the Gavit games with the Big Ten, and then we're calling it the battle. This is our non-conference challenge with the Big 12, where we did very well this year. Our schools kind of got the message on the importance of intentional scheduling. So they're in the, the prime MTEs. They, they, they schedule aggressively. And so that's turning into a lot of quadrant one, quadrant two opportunities. And um, we're being told by the people who are making the tournament selection decisions this really matters. 
So the good news here is we did so well in the non-conference. They, we come into the conference season, and the games end up being quad one and quad two games right. for the most part that, that kind of perpetuate, if you will, the high standings um, that we were able to achieve in the non-conference portion of the season. Big East Commissioner Val Ackerman joining us this week in the Big East. Let's deal, if we can, for just a moment, brief moment anyway, on some of the issues that kind of face not only college basketball but college athletics overall. Can we start with the uh, name, image, and likeness rights issue because you're on that committee in terms of trying to get something out to everybody across the country. Can you give us the latest on that? Well, uh, yes. Uh, I'm I'm co-chairing a national working group that was appointed last summer, early summer, um, to examine this this rule, um, Gene Smith is my colleague in, in that endeavor. We've been studying this for many months. It's very complicated. Um, you know, for those who think it's not complicated, you, you, you know, you're, it's that's not that's not the case. There's lots of issues here um, because of um, kind of related issues dealing with. Um, compensation and pay for play and litigations that have unfolded in that regard. Uh, recruiting um, is an area that comes up often in terms of ramifications of any changes in this area. So we, we've been studying this closely. There are a number of working groups examining different pieces of NIL. You know, for the listeners, I, I would sort of describe NIL opportunities as payments from third parties to student-athletes. So this would come in the form of you know, uh, uses of the students of their names in connection with businesses that they start or non-athletics endeavors that they're part of could, um, could happen in the context of endorsement arrangements, um, use of likeness on uh, commercial products, consumer products, et cetera. So there's a lot of different scenarios here. And what I would say is that we will make change. We announced that back in October, that the the rules will change. But we want to do it in a manner that's consistent with with college sports, which is different from pro sports and Olympic sports, um, including because we recruit our incoming athletes in ways that aren't done in the Olympics and in the pros. So we're working hard on this. We're going to deliver a a report, another report, to the uh, NCAA Board of Governors in April. There will be ongoing work as the details are hammered out. And then last but not least, we know many states are very interested in this, and I think more than 30 states at this point have signaled their intention to file a bill that would allow this, whatever, regardless of what the NCA um, decides to do. So we're acutely aware of that activity. And, uh, you know, and so we'll have more to talk about in, uh, in a couple of months on this topic. Well, it's funny. Uh, you, you brought that up in October at Media Day, and I, I think I wished you luck. I think I want to wish you luck again, yeah. Val, with that. Right. But uh, may, maybe uh, more expeditiously is the potential first-time transfers uh, situation that the NCA looks like it's ready to pass and could pass in time for this summertime. I know coaches are, are very concerned about that. I, I'm curious from a conference level, and I know the – there will never be some interconference uh, transferring, but overall, uh, is, is that are you in favor of that, or, or is that a big concern of yours as well? Well, it's a hot topic for sure, Kevin, and we will. We've got a board meeting next week, and the NCAA has asked for input by uh, middle to late March um, that they can they can process. And I I can't tell you right now what the Big East position on this will be. On one hand, we do support flexibility for student athletes in fact um, in all but five sports they have that ability right now you can get a first time immediate eligibility transfer exception the sports where right now that's not allowed are football men's and women's basketball baseball and ice hockey 
Um, and so that's really the question. For those five sports, should they be implementing the same rule that's being used by the other 20 or so sports that the NCAA sponsors? So, you know, you know, if you're in favor of student-athlete um, empowerment, so to speak, you know, it's, it's a good change. And many in our conference uh, have, that, have that perspective. Um, on the other hand, there are sports, most notably football and men's basketball, where sort of the prospect of, of more uh, movement um, in the transfer market could create some roster management challenges for coaches, raises specters of increased tampering, um, and so on. And so, you know, many people have questions about how that could be managed. Yeah. But I think, um, you know, right now what's happening now people don't like, which is waivers. And that's created the perception of inconsistency. And that's what people really are hoping to get away from right now and go back to something that's more sure. transparent, that's simpler, um, and that creates a sense of fairness. Sure. A couple of seconds here, Val, but uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't ask you about ticket sales for next week at the Garden. How are they going? Do you expect the building to be banged out all days? We do, guys. I mean, things, you know, we're ahead of schedule. Interestingly, the University of Connecticut has also sold some tickets to their fans, which is kind of interesting <laughs> because, as you know, they don't join us for another year. They're warming up. Who wanted to, They're they warming up. They want to get in early. Yeah, that's right. So we may, have, we may have a few Husky supporters in the audience as well. Nice, nice. Uh, people be booing the Huskies before they even get to the garden. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, we may have to put security on alert there because we know their their fans are boisterous and and should and that should make it fun. But it should be a great tournament. And as we talked about at the beginning of this of this talk here, given the level of competition in the league this year, we expect uh, nothing but high level competition. So it should be a lot of fun for participants and spectators alike. Thanks to Big East Commissioner Val Ackerman. Hey, you need a bracket fix. Want a couple of suggestions to keep your own bracket from blowing up in a couple of weeks? CBSSports.com's Matt Norlander might have a couple for you. He joins us next, this week in the Big East. Coming up next, the National Perspective. As one of the country's leading Catholic universities, Seton Hall has been shaping students in mind, heart, and spirit since 1856. Today, the hall is home to nearly 10,000 students taught by world-class faculty. Our professors shine in the classroom, sharing their expertise with bright young minds who are hungry to learn. And as a member of the Big East, our student-athletes compete in one of the nation's top athletic conferences. Whether on the court or in the classroom, our students learn by doing. This is Seton Hall's moment. Be part of it. The National Perspective. Seton Hall will get it in. McKnight's got the basketball. Cross half court. Two seconds to go. Driving. Kick to the corner. Three-pointer up. It is no good. No good. Miles Kale missed from deep in the corner. And Villanova has held on for a 79-77 win. What a ball game here in Newark tonight. And Villanova stays alive for a chance at the top spot in the Big East. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. He's covered the sport for the past decade at CBS Sports at the college and the pro levels. And Matt Norlander has seen a lot, covered a lot in college hoops, including this year. So we thought it might be a good time to tap into his thoughts on surprises, disappointments, seeds, bubble teams, and, well, if there's any more, we'll get to it as we get ready for the madness to settle in. Matt joins us this week in the Big East. Matt, let's kind of start with the current bubble, some potential seeding. How many from the Big East, in your estimation, are worthy of NCAA tournament entrance, and where might those seeds be, considering the years some of these teams have had? Yeah, uh, gentlemen, thanks for having me, and let's uh, let's run through it here. I do, I do think that the Big East is going to get seven. 
And I think that'll become a, uh, well, within the league, it's probably been a, a consistent talking point in the past week or two. I think once we're about probably the day of the quarters in the Big East tournament, uh, I think you'll have more kind of national recognition of like, hey, oh, well, look at this. 70% of the league's probably going to go to the tournament. The only teams that are still iffy, obviously, are Xavier and Providence. I can't lock either of them in yet. Um, Xavier is a lock if it beats Butler at home in its uh, regular season finale this weekend. And I would say the same of Providence if it beats DePaul. I think if they both get those wins, they're going to be good. But a loss for either, I think, is problematic for Providence. It's even worse because its Long Beach State loss is a top three worst loss for a projected NCAA tournament team. You would put, obviously, uh, Kentucky's loss with Evansville there. And then UCLA losing on its home floor to Cal State North, I think is actually the worst loss of any contender uh, because as bad as the LBSU loss was, that was that was across the country for Providence, if memory serves correctly. So that was not even on uh, PC's home floor while it was for UCLA. And then if you want to throw in Stephen F. Austin at, at Duke, you could, but Stephen F. Austin has three losses, and, uh, right. and you know it could be a, a really dangerous 13 seed if it gets in. Anyway, um, I'll project out the seeds for you real quick right here. And this is just this is a projection. So this is kind of going off what I think could happen sure. in the league in the league tournament. I'll say Seton. I'll say that the Big East winds up uh, getting Seton Hall and Creighton on the three line, and then Villanova on the two line. And I'm saying Nova on the two because I'm saying Nova's not going to lose again before Selection Sunday. It's going to beat Georgetown, and then it's going to win the Big East tournament. Um, mark me down for Butler. As a five, Marquette as a nine, Providence and Xavier as eleven. That'll be, I think they are going to get seven in, and that's where I'm uh, projecting out. Feel free to hold it against me in ten days. <laughs> well, let, let me ask let me ask you one quick uh, question about what the selection committee might look at here. Do they have a tendency to weigh uh, what's done in the latter half of the season more so than what would have happened back in November? Still. They absolutely do not, and in my opinion, that's absolutely how it should be because college basketball needs to focus on getting its November and December games to be as nationally relevant and meaningful as possible. Um, And it's how you get teams to schedule more challenging games in November and December. If you knew that a bad loss to a Long Beach State team would not have nearly as much significance as a home win over Xavier at the end of February, then then you'd be sitting easier. It used to be that way, but it's not. So it's important to keep that in mind. And And for those who think that recency bias might creep in, I don't. I don't believe that that's the case. When you have a collective of ten people that are logging votes, and when you really understand how the process is done, it's not a perfect process. They can improve it in a number of ways. But when you are looking at overall resumes, and you were like, let's just throw in Marquette as an example, and you are looking at like they will examine Marquette's resume one way or another ten different times because they have to seed it within the entire group of the field of one to sixty-eight, um, take into consideration its best wins, its bad losses, and so. Uh, you really lose the capability of consciously saying, well, you know what, look what they did back in November and December versus how they've slumped as of late, if you will. Um, you know, so um, that's not the way it is, and that's not the way it should be. Uh, and that's a very good thing for Providence in particular um, because it will, be fairly, it will be fairly judged, even though it's been hot as of late, um, it, will get, it will get punished for its, its bad losses. And frankly, PC, as Kevin well knows, I mean, it, it has built up, really one of the more intriguing at-large profiles I've seen in the past five or six years. Right. Yeah, it's pretty bizarre. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm going to disagree ever so slightly. I, I think Providence will get in uh, and be given a better seed than uh, 11 only because they are so hot. But uh, 
and I, it may not be the way to do it, uh, but I think subconsciously, uh, just look at the teams. Providence is playing much better than Marquette, for example. But uh, anyways, uh, the question, uh, next question, Matt, is which Big East team is a Sweet 16 Final Eight uh, contender at this stage? Uh, a lot of them. Um, Seton Hall, Creighton, Villanova are all national title contenders. We could actually have a three-way tie uh, at the end of the season if things break the right way. Right. And then I would, in terms of Sweet 16, Providence for sure, Butler for sure, Marquette because it's got the leading score in America. So, well, so you've, mean, got, I, you've got a Sweet 16 team coming as an 11 seed. It's possible. Wow. I picked Providence to win the league in the preseason. You I'm did. Not, I'm you not did. Bailing on the Friars. You did. You did. That's they could true. Get, they could get a ten. I'm just predicting Providence to be eleven because I think they're going to lose their first Big East tournament game. So that's just the only reason why. Right. Um, so, but no, they can absolutely get there. Alfiala's been playing well as of late. Pipkins has finally been the kind of player that I hoped that he would be. He has come on uh, stronger uh, as of late there. And defensively, they, I thought Providence would be a top 15 team defensively in the country. They aren't going to get there, but they're 34th at Ken Palm as a Thursday morning, and that's, uh, that's a significant improvement. But uh, no joke, the, the, I said this earlier this week on the Ion College Basketball Podcast, the Big East has the best chance. The Big Ten's going to put the most teams in, but I have the most confidence in Hall, Creighton, Nova, Butler, Marquette, Providence collectively to win two games. Now, they all aren't going to do it. But uh, the Big East has a great shot to get a lot of teams represented into the second weekend and then one maybe to crack through to the Final Four. All right, Matt Norlander, who for, uh, covers the college basketball scene for CBS Sports, cbssports.com, joining us here this week at the Big East. Okay, so the scenarios look incredible, but at the same time, the balance has been unmistakable this week and this entire season You know, for this conference. Are you surprised at all at the balance and, and the overall strength of the league at all? And, and what do you think has been an overriding characteristic or trait maybe that has sort of described Big East basketball as you've observed it? I'm not surprised at the relative balance because I did think that, although I was wrong about Providence, I thought it would win the league, um, I did think that Georgetown, St. John's, and DePaul, in that order, were going to be the three worst teams in the league, and that's how it's, it's interesting how that's how that's how we've gotten there. Now, the reasons for it are, are, are different for each of those teams. Um, but early on, Georgetown and DePaul look like they actually might be NCAA tournament teams. They just haven't gone uh, gone that way. But I, to me, a lot of the defining things about the Big East this season has been the way teams have gotten to where they are. So expected outcomes on unexpected paths here. For example, Creighton not, Creighton's better than people expected in general. But for it to be a top five offense, even though it was, uh, you know, McDermott's teams are always offense first. To be at this level, to have Marcus Zagorowski step up and be a top five player in the league, Mitch Ballack, you know, continue his ascent to be one of the best three point shooters in that program's history, and then Tyshawn Alexander to be a top three two way player in, in the conference has been an unexpected thing. Villanova getting Sadiq Bay to turn himself into a first-round draft pick this season and having a big boost from Justin Moore, I would argue Justin Moore has been more impressive than even Jeremiah Robinson Earl on the whole, was not an expected turn of events when they were thinking that uh, the likes of you know, Tamir Cosby Roundtree, Cole sure. Swider would step up. That has, not, uh, that has absolutely not been the case. Providence, we already know why, how, how they've gotten there. And then Butler, which is it's, it's kind of been hit or miss as of late, Butler being... Well, they were what fifteen and one at one point, and at that at that stage, I mean, it was Laval Jordan and Scott Drew for Coach of the Year, uh, front runner. You know, a week into January, it's been a little, little bit different than expected. Um, and now we wait for this tournament. Well, I can't wait. I'll be there, obviously. Uh, I'll scoot down to the Garden. Pick a winner. See what it provides. Pick a winner. It's, it's going to be. 
Uh, I'm going to take Nova. I will take Villanova. I trust Villanova <laughs> ever so slightly more than any other team in the conference. So by uh, a relatively narrow margin, I'll take the Wildcats. Thanks again to CBS Sports' Matt Norlander for joining us. Who's got next? The weekend before the big week. We'll have seeds on the line and maybe a little bit more. We're on it next. This week in the Big East. Coming up, who's got next? This week in the Big East. Xavier University. It's a place where learning extends beyond the classroom. Where students learn more by doing more. And discover new truths about their world and themselves. Where passion meets purpose. Where students blend mission and meaning and live lives that truly matter. That's the Xavier way. Learn more about what a Xavier education can do for you at Xavier.edu. Who's got next this week in the Big East? Howard, right baseline, bounces it to Johnson, back to Howard on the handoff. McKnight on the flyby, Howard the up fake, and he trains the three from the right wing. Marcus Howard now with 20. And Howard 4-4 from behind the arc in this game today. Well, John Rook, Kevin McNamara, this week in the Big East, we wrap up regular season play this Saturday. All 10 teams facing off against one another. Tournament seedings for New York hanging in the balance. Kevin, let's go through these games, and I'm going to let you tell us where you think the likely seeds will be for the Garden. And let's start noon Eastern time Villanova at Georgetown, and then Marquette will also play at St. John's in a noon garden warm-up. Big game for Marquette. They've lost five of six down the stretch here. They're going to be a really interesting team to seed in the tournament. I think they can still squeeze into that NCAA tournament. Uh, But, John, I think how you finish, although Matt Nolander disagrees, uh, does weigh into uh, the seeding situation with the NCAAs. I'm going to be with you on that one as well. 2.30, Seton Hall plays at Creighton. (laughs) <laughs> a week ago, well, that looked like a game to decide the regular season title. It will, but if Creighton wins, you can end up with a three-way tie for first. Creighton wins this game. They are the number one seed next week in the tournament. John, let, let's get the private plane and zip out to Omaha. I'd love to. I would love to be at that game. I'd love to. Uh, you know, and wouldn't surprise me if that's also a Big East championship game on that Saturday night in the Garden. Wrapping it up, DePaul goes to Providence for a 6.30 start. And then the final game of the regular season is Butler at Xavier in an 8.30 tip. And we're going to go right down to that one to decide the final seedings for next week's tournament. Best guess is nothing gets decided, really, until that last game is finished. No, fans, you won't know the bracket until about 11 o'clock on Saturday night. And a huge game for Xavier. If they want to avoid the Wednesday night uh, 7-10 game. they got to win. Xavier needs to get by Butler. Yep, you got to win. Hey, our thanks to Providence head coach Ed Cooley this week, Big East Commissioner Val Ackerman, and CBSSports.com's Matt Norlander for joining us. Thanks go out to our flagship radio stations from Providence, Creighton, Seton Hall for all of their assistance. Thanks to our producer Kevin Collins, associate producer Matt Morell, to WGAO in Franklin, Massachusetts for our facilities assistance, and thanks to all of the coaches and administrators at all 10 Big East member institutions. For Kevin McNamara, I'm John Rook. You find us on Twitter at JR Broadcaster, at Kevin McNamara33. Use that hashtag TwitBe. We'll join you next week from the world's most famous arena, Madison Square Garden, for this week in the Big East. Thanks for listening to This Week in the Big East. Special thanks to our member schools Butler, Creighton, DePaul, Georgetown, Marquette, Providence, St. John's, Seton Hall. 
Villanova, and Xavier, as well as their athletic departments. This Week in the Big East is produced by Kevin Collins. The executive producers are John Paquette and Rick Gentile. Be sure to join us next week for the latest edition of This Week in the Big East.